Welcome to Whipple's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Whipple. The Green Bay Packers are off to another impressive start. The Packers have a robust 3-1 record, but the injuries are starting to mount, especially to its best defense players. Hi, I'm Gary Wolfel, and thanks for joining Rob Reichel and I for another Packers podcast. Greetings, Rob. Good morning, Gary. How are you? I am doing well. I uh, I got in late last night. You know, I'm not used to these late hours. I'm not a spring chicken anymore. So, uh, you know, but but we'll persevere, right? We'll we'll push through this. You got to <laughs> put clothes and bars in your wild man old age, there, Gary. I do remember that. <laughs> some some good times. Hey, uh, let, let's commence uh, this podcast talking about the Packers' health or lack thereof. Uh, even though it's just four games in the season, they are clearly banged up and uh, not at 100%. Uh, Bakhtiari's been out, and God knows how long he'll be out. Zadarius Smith had back surgery last week. Now, now Alexander goes down with a shoulder injury. Throw in Marquez, Veldez, Scantling, and Jenkins, and Kevin King, and that team's hurting, Rob. Gary, it's interesting. I, I, do, a, I do a thing before the year starts. I do kind of this daily countdown at, at Forbes.com. I, I rank the Packers, you know, most important players. Yeah. And Gary, right now, as I look at this, I have six of their top 20 being out and eight of their top 26 being out in terms of where I ranked these guys back in July, Gary. I had Zadarius Smith as their third most important player. I had, I had Bakhtiari at number four. I had Jair Alexander at number five. So really, Gary, that's three of the top five. I had Elton Jenkins at eight. I had MVS at 15. I had Kevin King at 18. I had Lucas Patrick at 22. And I had Chris Barnes at 26. Now we can certainly debate, you know, whether those numbers are going to hold through the course of the year, Gary, but, you know, looking at this roster and how this team shaped up back in the summer, um, it, it's remarkable in terms of what they're going to, what they're going to have out and what they're going to have to persevere and move forward with Gary. I, I have a hunch that Darius Smith has played his last down as a Packer. I think, I think coming back from back surgery, is an awful lot to ask a guy here in the next three months. And just the way his contract shapes up, Gary, we've talked about it on the podcast before. They are an absolute salary cap hell when this season ends. And Zadarius Smith is going to be one of the first guys on the chopping block in terms of, of someone they'll move on from. David Bakhtiari, Gary, has to sit out six as a minimum. Uh, so that would put him back the 24th of this month against Washington. Uh, in that week seven game right there. But there's no guarantee, Gary, that he's going to be ready for that. And to be honest, and, and I know we'll get into this a little bit today, as well as that line is played, why rush him back at this point? I mean, if it's, if it's one of those deals where, you know, the doctors think he could really, really use and need another two, three weeks, take him to midseason, take him to week 10, do what you have to there. So we'll see when they see Bakhtiari next, Gary. Uh, I don't think the news... And, and you and I are recording this on a Tuesday morning. We'll find out the news a lot more, I think, on Wednesday on Jair Alexander. But I don't think it's going to be good, Gary. I think that's going to be 
you know, a, a probably at least a six week deal in terms of that shoulder on Alexander, mm -hmm. then where they're down to Stokes and if King can come back at corner, but they're going to be thin there. Jenkins on that ankle, Gary, I think there's a decent chance he plays at Cincinnati uh, this, this week coming up. MVS is obviously on short-term injured reserve now, Gary. So, you know, he, he's looking at another two, three games that, that he's going to be out. They believe that Kevin King can make it back. I, I think Gary for the Bengals game, whether that's good or bad, I guess Packer nation can debate. Um, <laughs> I know, I know how Rob Rachel stands. On that front. <laughs> well, Gary, in terms of what they had to throw out there Sunday against big Ben, it's probably a good thing as maligned and as poor as Kevin King has been. Uh, he, he's still a major step up from, you know, Shandon Sullivan or, 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 or Yadam, the kid they traded for from, you know, with, with the Giants right at the end of training camp. Um, there's a precipitous drop off when they have to put one of those guys uh, on the field. Gary Lucas Patrick, again, he's a guy I had in my top 25 at the start of the year. I, I anticipated he would hold on to that starting job. It, it looks like Runyon has taken it away. Obviously, it's nice. It'll be nice for them to have Patrick back in terms of depth, but mm -hmm. but I don't think he's a starter anymore, Gary. I you know I think I think the guards moving forward are are, are Newman and Runyon and until at least Bakhtiari gets back, and then Jenkins might slide back to guard, um, where he's obviously been a, a Pro Bowl player for him, and and then Chris Barnes, Gary, is is another guy that that's been out, and you know we'll, we'll see on his timetable there. They've really found a you know, a, a diamond in the rough there in Devondre Campbell and a, a guy who just hasn't come off the field. He played all 60 snaps on, on Sunday, Gary, he, you know, right now he might be their most important player on, on defense as, as good as he's been. He might be their defensive MVP. And, and that's a guy they picked up off the street. I want to say in, in, in late May, maybe early June, somewhere in that time frame, Gary. And, and he's turned out to be just an, an absolute revelation and, and an all-time find so far for, for Gutekunst. But uh, no, that's, you know, that's eight key guys, Gary, we're talking about that, uh, that, that have been out are going to, you know, the majority of them will continue to be out and the Packers depth will be tested here um, at an all-time level. And the way they held up against Pittsburgh, Gary, I, I think is a pretty encouraging sign. They, they are a pretty deep and, and talented roster. Um, they've been unbelievably fortunate in 2019 and 2020 in terms of how few injuries they've had. You, you kind of had a hunch, Gary, just, right, the law of averages was going to catch up with them at some point in time. It seems to be catching up with them here in 2021. And it's going to be a huge challenge for them to, to try to, you know, navigate these waters coming up for the next five on the road to try to, to, try to get through that stretch with, with a number of, of key starters out and, and backups being forced to play significant minutes and roles. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, touching on the offensive line, uh, I find what uh, Adam Stenovich and uh, Luke Butkus have done with these young, unproven guys is nothing short of amazing. I mean, you expected Miters to come in, you know, high draft pick, I mean, he, he, he's really good. I mean, to me, he's played solidly, if not good, all, all four games. And, and then you look at the other two guys, uh, Newman and uh, Runyon, and it's like, it, it's amazing. I, I thought the Packers might be in big trouble with that group, but uh, just the opposite. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy, Gary. It, it, 
I, I, I wrote this and I threw it out last week on Twitter. Um, the guys they started on Sunday against the Steelers, Gary, count, count $8.25 million against the cap. Wow. Which, wow. which is only about $1.6 yeah. per man. Yeah. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just have you guess because you've, you've become a remarkable contestant in my little game show here that, that we like to play every week or two. Can you... There's the kiss of death, Rob. Roughly, (laughs) roughly what the Packers spent on their starting five offensive linemen in 2020, Gary, just in terms of against the cap, the cap number for those guys last year. Whoa. Right now they're spending eight, they're spending just over $8 million on the guys they trotted out against the Steelers. What do you think it was? Um, I'm going to say three, four times at a moment. Yeah, really, Gary, almost five, 37 five, and a yeah. half. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 37 and a half million. It's just crazy what, yeah. like you said, what these young guys have done. It's it's just, I mean, it's just remarkable. You're talking about a third string left tackle, you know, in, in Nijman there. And he's something, and not just that they've, they've played well, Gary, they've done it against, I mean, I still think two defenses that at the end of the year will wind up in the top 10, right? In San Francisco yeah. and, um, and Pittsburgh. I, right. I know Pittsburgh's, they don't seem to be quite the Pittsburgh that we've come to know over the last, you know, four decades, et cetera, that dominant steel curtain type defense. But uh, there's still a lot of really good players on that side of the ball that, that they have. And I, I, I think they'll end up being pretty good there, but I mean, you're talking, like you said, Gary, two rookies on the interior Runyon in, in essence is a rookie. I think he played 150, yeah. 160 snaps last year. So this is his really his, his first bonafide, chance to become a, a starter and a frontline guy in the NFL. And then you've got a guy in Billy Turner, who's been a career journeyman. Um, I know he's kind of found his home and found his niche here right now in green Bay, but at best Gary, I would say before this year, he was a C plus type of a player that that's not an Elton Jenkins. That's not a Bakhtiari holding up the right side of the line uh, over there. Um, it, it's remarkable what they've done. Now, now LaFleur gets some credit, Gary, because the game plan has been devised and designed for Rodgers to get that ball out of his hands in two and a half seconds or less. Rodgers is listening. He's paying attention. I'm sure, you know, he doesn't want to end up on his fanny nine times a game. So he's not holding the ball, you know, six, seven, eight seconds like he did back in the in the sit and laying Lindsley era uh, where he would hold on to that ball forever because he really knew those guys could pretty much block all day. But they're playing within the structure of the offense, and that's what Lafleur wants in the first place, Gary. And and Rodgers is listening, and these guys are more than doing their you know doing their job. They they ran the ball effectively against the Steelers. I mean, I think they I don't have it in front of me. I think they were 135 yards, give or take, um, you know, four plus a pop. Dylan had a, had a really good game. Jones was okay, um, but these guys up front, Gary, top to bottom, are are getting it done. And I I think that's you know one of the biggest surprises so far of this three and one start. Yeah. You know, I, I think to me, the biggest concern is Alexander. I mean, in, in today's NFL, you just can't lose high grade cornerbacks and Alexander has got to be, you know, at worst, one of the top five corners in the league. I mean, he, he's a complete uh, DB by the way, he gave up a, a touchdown pass last week. That, that was shocking. <laughs> right but, it was shocking but uh you know i mean again cornerbacks are just so so important to uh to a team today and 
thank goodness that they, they did make that trade with the Giants. Thank goodness they drafted a cornerback with their number one pick. So, I mean, they got some depth there to at least uh, cushion the blow. Well, but think about it, Gary. I mean, and, and we talk about it all the time, pass rushing and, and the play of the secondary kind of goes hand in hand. Now you're missing your, your, your elite pass rusher, right? A guy with 26 sacks in the last two years in, in Zadarius Smith. And in all likelihood, you're going to miss, like you said, a top five corner in the league. He might be top two or three mm-hmm. uh, even in, in Alexander. Stokes has shown a lot of promise, a lot of signs that, that are encouraging. Kevin King has been a starter. Um, you know, his first two years, you can flush down the toilet, Gary. They were awful. Injury plagued. His third year, he, I, I really thought he was on the come and he was going to be a really good player. Uh, last year, he took a step back and then obviously bombed out in the NFC Championship game. Gary, to me, as much as anything, the thing that, you know, and, and we'll see what King looks like when he comes back from this concussion. And, and again, I, I expect him to play Sunday in the Bengals game. Gary, just by the end of last year, though, you remember King came out of King came out of Washington running a 4-4-3. And, you know, the thing Ted fell in love with there was the size-speed ratio, right? He finds a 6-2 uh-huh. corner, 6-3 corner that can run like the wind. Gary, by the end of last year, King wasn't running close to that. He, he looked like a guy who has is, is really taken some, you know, and, and the NFL does that to guys. I mean, it, it, it'll beat you up and wear you down and spit you out. And, and King looked like a 4-5-5, a 4-6 guy, Gary, at the end of last year, trying to cover Scotty Miller in that NFC championship game, trying to cover Antonio Brown at times, trying to cover people out of the slot. I think he's lost the step, Gary, and, and that's going to be something really interesting to mm. watch here. When, when he comes back from, from this concussion is, you know, cause in 2019, Gary, I thought King had a really solid year. Um, I think I gave him a B that year in my grades. And, and I thought he was a player, like I said, really on the rise and, and maybe they'd give a big time second contract to, um, and then he obviously flames out last year. He gets the one year deal for 5 million to come back. And, you know, this is probably it for Kevin King and green Bay, but, but his career is on the line right now, Gary, he's at a crossroads. Um, he can play really well here over the next 12 games and make himself some money, or he can continue to kind of be on this downward spiral that he, that he's been on here. I would say for the la- the better part of a year now, and he might play himself out of the league. So he's got a ton to play for Gary when he comes back on the field. I, I do agree with you. They have some depth at that position. Sullivan can kick inside and play the slot now and they won't screw around maybe with, with who's going to be this nickel star guy. Maybe they'll just mm-hmm. make it be Sullivan here moving forward. But, but, but Gary, I mean, there's no question when you take away your elite pass rusher and, and a cornerback, the level of Alexander uh, you, you're, you're going to take some lumps, I think on defense, Cincinnati's very capable come, come Sunday of, of scoring 30 plus points with those young wide receivers two weeks from now, Gary, I don't think the bears are three weeks from now. I don't think Washington is, but then they've got those back-to-back games with, with the Cardinals who are unbeaten and the Chiefs who may, you know, have, have one of the you know, best quarterbacks in the history of this league. So we'll see how long Alexander is out, Gary. We know this much. Zadarius Smith won't be back for quite some time. You, you, know, you, you throw in the fact they're, they're still trying to get guys like King and Barnes back on the field and, and get fully healthy on that side of the ball. And, and it, it's going to be some huge challenges coming up, Gary, for this defense. Well, it, it, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but there, there's no team in the NFL that has been 
bit by the injury bug more than the Packers at, at this point. I mean, it, it, like you pointed out, I mean, they're not only losing guys, they're losing really, really good guys. And uh, like, like Zadaria Smith, as you pointed out, fortunately for the Packers, you know, Rashawn Gary uh, has kind of stepped up. I, I wrote a blog uh, over the weekend saying that uh, starting Sunday against the Steelers, he had to start playing like the number one, uh, the number 12 pick that he was a couple of years ago. And to me, he, he's been a major disappointment. Uh, the first two years I thought were nondescript. Uh, the first three games this year, I thought he was okay. But you know what? Sunday uh, he came to play and he, and he started to look like the number 12 pick. And I think he had six tackles and uh, four of them were solo tackles. And, uh, you know, having said that, Robbie, you know where he ranks in tackles on <laughs> the Packers? I'll throw, I'll throw a, a question at you here. I'm going to guess 11th. No, you are, you are now the man. <laughs> 11. Yeah, coming Is it really the... that low? I just yeah, I just yeah. got in the dark. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you, wow. you're, you're absolutely correct. And uh, in that blog that I did, I pointed out that at that time, there were 16 Packers ahead of him in tackles. I mean, just inexcusable. And uh, but he but he showed up Sunday, and you know, give him credit. So uh, we'll see where it goes. But do you think this is kind of a fluke, or do you think, hey, uh, Rashawn Gary has finally arrived? No, I Gary at the start of the year, I I wrote something along the lines of I I thought he was kind of a a wild card player, maybe a a a, a good a good pick, a good. Uh, gamble as, as one of the Packers who could be a surprise pro bowler this year. I, I really did. I, I thought Gary, the way he closed 2020 mm -hmm. was impressive. He, he, he wound up being second on the team in sacks. He, he, he bypassed Preston Smith probably in about, Oh, I don't know, week 10 or 12, whatever that was last year where he kind of took over that starting role. There was a lot of internal grumbling about it, mostly by the Smiths. Um, they kind of went back to Preston and some early stuff with base, but Gary wound up playing as many, if not more snaps down the stretch than Smith did Preston mm -hmm. Smith. That is, I thought this year, Preston Smith was going to be number three among those outside linebackers. I thought it would in a pecking order would be Zadarius, Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith. And, and I wasn't even sure Preston Smith would come back. Mm -hmm. Um, Rashawn Gary is a guy with so much upside and so much potential. And, and if you watch him, Gary, and, and I've, I've put the binoculars on him every game, you know, for 25 different plays and, and watch him closely on film week in and week out. Gary, he does everything right for the most part, other than finish at the quarterback time and time. And time. Exactly. exactly. He's always around that quarterback, but can't find a way to finish. It's almost like the Wisconsin Badger pass rush. Um, and, <laughs> It's it, it, it's got to be maddening for his positional coach, for his defensive coordinator to watch this time in and time out. When when he and, and that was the knock on him and kind of the story on him all those years too at Michigan, Gary. You know he he was always sniffing around the quarterback, couldn't finish it. And Chase Winovich, who's now a Patriot, was was the guy who cleaned up and got all those sacks. Mm -hmm. um, I do think the light's going to totally go on. He's got a real chance here. I think Gary. Uh, of finishing in double digit sacks. I think he's going to, I think he's going to get this figured out and turn into a big time player this year. I, 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 I do think the guy's got just remarkable ability 
talent, athleticism, really unique to that position. He's still a young guy. I mean, he's only 24, 23, I think. And when he figures it out, the rest of the league's going to be in trouble, Gary. I mean, he, he led that unit on Sunday in snaps. He played 40 of the 60 of roughly Gary. And, um, you know, he's going to get his opportunities now. These, I know a lot of people want to flush out his first couple of years. He also didn't have that many opportunities. I, I don't have it in front of me, Gary, but I want to say that first year he was around 20 to 25% of the snaps. And last year he was still less than half, Gary. I think he was about 45% of the snaps a year ago. He's going to wind up when this year is all said and done, probably playing 70% of the snaps if he can stay healthy. And, and when, when you're given that type of opportunity, the chance certainly exists for you to put up big time numbers. I, I still think he's the guy on that defense ready for a breakout year. Obviously, you know, you, you, nobody can withstand the loss of Zedarius because now guys like, you know, Garvin have to take on an expanded role and he's going to end up playing 15, 20 snaps a game. And, and that's a remarkable decline um, in terms of, of putting him on the field versus a guy like Zedarius. But um, Rashawn Gary's the guy, and, and, and you hit it here on the head, Gary, that, that, if he can, that, it, that if he can take his game to a next level, you're, you're going to notice that Zedarius is missing and that he's gone, but you might not notice it quite as much mm-hmm. if Rashawn can play at a high level because they're still in decent shape there in terms of their first two guys. The, the decline really comes at three, four, five. To me, he's huge. I mean, you know, if, if Smith theoretically doesn't play a, a, another down this season, they got to have somebody to come in and step up and, and play at a high level. And fortunately, they got a guy that's capable of it. Now we'll uh, find out if he can do it on a, a consistent basis. I'm going to bring up one of, one of your favorite players now. I, I don't want to ruin the show too early for you, but uh, <laughs> there, there, there was an old man on offense last week that looked pretty good he didn't look like he was 32 years old he looked more like he was well I'm not going to say 22 that, that would be a push but he uh, he looked pretty pretty impressive and that was Randall Cobb and um, I, I know you and I kind of agreed that uh, when the Packers did pick him up that this was an Aaron Rodgers you know treat and uh, I, I guess the question is was what he did on Sunday against Steelers. Um, I think he had five catches and he only had like four in the previous three games. Uh, again, was that a fluke or is this maybe going to be uh, a better pickup than uh, we envisioned? Yeah. The, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. I think Gary, when, when it's all said and done, whether this is an aberration or the norm, my, my guess is he's not going to have a, a five catch 69 yard, two touchdown game real often moving forward. And, and let's be honest, if MVS is playing, those opportunities aren't there for Randall Cobb, but, but maybe they also found something here that in, in, in the comfort level with the quarterback, I mean, you touched on it, Gary, he didn't look 32. He, I mean, he looked spry. He really did. Um, he would, he was, he was nifty in and out of his breaks and his cuts and, and finding space. And, and I know that Steeler secondary is, is not terrific and it's been beat up a little bit and it's, it's not one of the better units, let's say that they've had, or even in football, but kudos to Cobb for taking advantage of certain matchups that he was given. And, and he'll have opportunities again here for the next few weeks. I would certainly assume Gary, because MVS with that hamstring, that soft tissue injury injury, you know, is, is going to miss at least two or three more games here. So the opportunities are there. 
and and his snap count, Gary, you know, that, that was the big thing I went and looked at yesterday on Monday, just his snaps. It felt to me like he was on the field. I think they played 72, 72 snaps of offense, Gary. And, and it felt to me like he was on the field about 50. He was actually only on the field 33. Um, so less than half. And if, you know, if, if they can keep his number, because I, I, I just keep fully expecting Randall Cobb to get injured at some point in time. It, it's been the knock. It's been, it's been his history. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, when you play him 50, 60, 65 snaps in a game, he wears down, he breaks, he, he's a little guy. And he's not built quite the same way that Donald Driver was, who was also a little guy. Driver never missed. Cobb's missed a ton of time. And, and if they can keep his snap count, Gary, in that, let's even say 25 to 35 snap range, I think they can get something out of him here through the course of the season. Can he get to December? Can he get to January? That's a whole nother question. Again, I, I wouldn't necessarily bet on it, but if the snap count is low enough, his chances obviously increase. When you look back to past Randall Cobb experiences in Green Bay, uh, right? It was, it was him and Nelson largely as the one and two down the stretch in his final years in Green Bay. Adams eventually passed him um, and kind of became the two and then became the one at the time when, when both Cobb and Nelson left. But the overwhelming majority of those years, it was Nelson one, Cobb two, Adams three. Um, during, during some of those, some of those years where, you know, that, that trio was there together. So, you know, he doesn't need to do that much, Gary. I mean, Adams played 63 snaps the other night. Lazard played 57. They've, they've got some depth there, even with, with MVS out, MVS comes back. He's going to probably play 40. You know, they, he's clearly ahead of the rookie right now. Amari Rogers, who hasn't impressed anybody. And, and that, that's a head scratcher to me. I'm surprised by that one. But but Rodgers hasn't done it um, either on the field in the, in the pass game, really, Gary, or in the return game. I think he's been exactly. a, a little bit of a disappointment so far as a, as a third-round draft pick. Now, I know he's only four games in, but he is off to a really slow start. And and I can't believe I'm going to say this, Gary, but Uh-oh. on some levels, huh? they're, they're pretty lucky they traded for Cobb. They, they all, I mean, I know it was completely run by the quarterback, and I've said on here before, and I'll say it till the day I die, I don't think players should be running the ship when it comes to putting together the roster. And the general manager was extremely clear the day he traded for Randall Cobb to make it a point to the rest of the NFL. This is an Aaron Rodgers move. It's not a Brian Gutekunst move. But I'll tell you what, Gary, right now it's looking like it might work out for him. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with your comments. I mean <laughs> – we've played four games. This, this is the first game we're talking about Randall Cobb, right? Correct. And, and, and we're only four games into the season and there's 13 more to go plus the playoffs. So, you know, who knows where he's going to go. Um, I, I know last week I brought up the idea that the Packers should go out and get another wide receiver, a, a veteran wide receiver, and nothing has changed my mind. I mean, you look beyond Devontae Adams, and that receiving core to me is average and maybe average at best. Uh, it does absolutely nothing for me. Well, Gary, you know, the trading deadline, we've got about a month on it yet. It's late in October. Yeah. It's going to be a fascinating time for this organization. You know, it's, it's kind of the all-in, last dance type of a year, right? They know at the end of this season, they are going to get a remarkable amount of draft capital for the quarterback you know, what, what that turns out to be, we'll, we'll all find out. But 
if he keeps playing like he has the last three weeks, you know, they're going to, they're going to get at least three, four draft picks pretty high and a player maybe along the way. If you are Brian Gutekunst and knowing that that is coming to you leading into next March's, you know, March's uh, start of the, the, the new calendar year in the NFL, which happens every March of the new year. So in March of 22, a trade like that could go through and he could start getting, you know, players and draft picks, et cetera. How aggressive are you if you're Brian Gutekunst at the trade deadline, you know, because you're going to, you're going to have this wealth of riches in the draft that you just, Mm -hmm. you have not had before. You're going to trade your quarterback. Let's even say Gary for a two ones, a two and a three. I think that's conservative. Let's, but let's do that. Um, and, and say they get that for him. You might even wind up trading Devontae Adams in the offseason where you could, you know, get a couple, two, two more very high draft picks. So if this is an all-in, go for a type of a year at the trade deadline, do you go get a wide receiver for a fourth? Do you get an outside oh. linebacker for a third? Do you, get, do you get another defensive lineman for a fifth? I mean, I do, Gary, no, no question about it. I, I go balls to the wall. I go all-in. If you know, if I'm Brian Gutekunst and we're, I mean, we're only four games in Gary. So there's still 25 teams, I would say 27 teams that have some hope of, of where their season is going a month from now, Gary, when the trading deadline hits, you can take that number down to 18, 15, 17, 20, whatever you want to put it at, you know, you're going to have half the league. That's almost hopeless by that point in times of, of winning Precisely. A going Precisely. Deep the season. And that's when you can start to pluck rosters and we're going to know a lot more then, but, but Gary, you know, to your point, adding a wide receiver. Yes, I would do that. I would almost argue at this point in time, an outside, a third outside linebacker now might become a priority. You might, you might not need, you know, a 50 snap guy, a guy making $15 million a year, like a Zadarius Smith or a Preston Smith or, or somebody like that. But you know, you're, you're going to want that, second level type of guy that can probably provide you more production and better depth than a guy like Jonathan Garvin might, or, or somebody like that. So it's, it's that, that to me, Gary is going to be the, one of the most fascinating things here in the, in the next four weeks, who in the league starts to really bottom out. Can the Packers continue this upward trend? And does Brian Gutekunst kind of go all in and go after players? Yeah, and, and he doesn't have to get a star receiver, but he needs a definite number two guy. I, I mean, MVS and uh, Lazard just don't cut it. I mean, to, again, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but they're, they're mediocre players at best. Oh, without question. I mean, Lazard wasn't drafted, you know, cut in Jacksonville. He's a 4-7 guy. He doesn't run well enough. A really good blocker. That's great. And everyone wants to write you know, a thousand word stories about how great this guy blocks. But at the end of the day, you're paid in that league to catch the football MVS. That's wonderful. How, how fast he runs. He's got six catches this year, Gary. whoop de doo right? Yeah, I, 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 I agree. Um, you know, and not only the wide receivers, uh, I think are, are subpar and I'm not going to say Tanyan is subpar because I don't believe he's a, a subpar tight end, especially after what he showed last season. But, it's been kind of a mystery to me how he hasn't been more involved in the offense. Yo, I, I'm with you. I think he was two catches for eight yards the other day um, in that uh, Pittsburgh game. Now, it was going to be extremely tough for him to come back and match his touchdown productivity from a year ago. And even, and even his catch total 
from a year ago. Defense is, you know, paying a little bit more attention to him than they have in the past. But I, Gary, I, I assume his role will expand as, as this season kind of unfolds and, and you'll see certain games maybe where they like certain matchups and, and he's a seven catch 85 yard touchdown type of a guy. But, um, but it, it certainly looks like his numbers are going to go in the opposite direction after that, that breakout 2020. You, you're right. I mean, they, they have a bunch of guys there, Gary, but you know, if you're going to get by Tampa Bay, if you're going to get by the Rams, it looks like if you're going to have to get by the Cardinals, you're going to have to get by Dallas. Um, do they need another explosive weapon in the passing game? I, I agree with you. The answer is yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, if, I mean, I look at what, for instance, Tom Brady has down in Tampa Bay. I mean, he's got like five, six legitimate receivers, you know what I mean? And uh, if one guy's, you know, or two guys are even drawing double coverage, somebody's going to get open and Brady's going to find them. And, uh, I, I don't see Lazard or MBS uh, and, and Cobb as guys that he can consistently rely on, especially in the playoffs. So anyways, you know what we're going to do next week, Rob? Between now and then, you and I are going to come up with three wide receivers that the Packers should target. How's that? I love it. And, I love it. You know, and again, you know, I, I can see where Gutekunst will, will probably believe that, hey, we got a glut of wide receivers. You know, why are we going to bring in another one? But the fact is, they're, they're mediocre. And so, yeah, you come up with three, I'll come up with three and uh, see what we can come up with. Any, any uh, thoughts about the uh, Packers special teams? Uh, you know, they had a game a couple of weeks ago that was abysmal, or, you know, but uh, do you think that that area of the team is on track? No, no, I don't. Not even close. And and they they were remarkably fortuitous um, in that game Sunday, Gary, right before half that that blocked field goal. Yes, yes. Hold up, because I'll tell you what, Pittsburgh, and I've watched that a few different times. They yes, they were offsides, Gary, but we're talking hundreds of a second. They weren't they weren't blatantly offsides. They they were offsides by let's say 0.03. Yeah. It was the most minuscule right of time that, that they jumped early there and, and they had green Bay figured out um, in terms of when exactly that ball, the snap count Gary, when that ball was coming um, where they had mismatches and advantages. Mo Drayton Gary talked last week at length um, about the amount of time that that they need in their operation to not have things blocked. It came after the Crosby field goal, which was almost blocked again in San Francisco, the night where they won the game mm -hmm. that Crosby won it on the 51 yarder. If you go back and watch that Gary, that kick was almost blocked too. Correct. And Mo Drayton, their special teams coach said, if, if, if our operation can get things done in 1.25 seconds, a max of 1.28, nobody can block our kick. And that's and they were 1.25 Gary in San Francisco. I haven't put the clock yet uh, on that blocked field goal against against the Steelers, but I assume they were in that range. But but here's my point. It, it it certainly seems like that time that Drayton is talking about might have to be adjusted a little bit because I I thought Green Bay executed that pretty well, but Pittsburgh had them timed almost perfectly mm -hmm. and they blocked it. And Gary, if if that holds up and goes the other way. What did that make it at halftime, Gary? 17, 10, maybe, or yeah. something? Yeah. I mean, it might have been. 
I, I forget the exact score at the time, Gary, but so now all of a sudden you throw, I think Pittsburgh might have had seven at the time, Gary. So they go to four, I think it was maybe 10, seven or, or 13, seven. Now, now Pittsburgh, all of a sudden at halftime, Gary, um, you, you throw a touchdown on there. Okay. It was 17, 10 at half, Gary. I, I'm just looking it up here now. So now Pittsburgh's ahead at the break, Gary, 17, 14. If that kick doesn't go through on the second try there by Mason Crosby, we're talking about an entirely different football game where instead of green, green Bay going to the locker room, Gary plus seven, they're minus three. Um, they're down 17, 14. So that, I mean, that was a remarkable swing. Green Bay got really fortunate, you know, almost lucky that they, because again, was Pittsburgh offsides? Yes. If the referees Gary had, had left the, the flags in their pocket, would it have been, you know, a dramatic injustice? Probably not. They were close, Gary, to, to almost timing that that perfectly. So, no, Green Bay's got to get some things absolutely cleaned up. Pittsburgh had a couple returns there, Gary, too. So even after Crosby makes that field goal, then, Gary, to go up 17-10, I think huh. it was the final play of the half. Green Bay kicks it off, and, and, and Pittsburgh's returner catches it about eight yards deep in the end zone. And I don't know if the Packers were just expecting him to take a knee, uh, but he came out and Gary, he was one tackle away from being yes. gone himself. Yes. Yep. Was, yeah. You know, Rob, uh, you, you pointed out uh, Mason Crosby's field goal and the guy who almost blocked, blocked it came from the left side of the defense. Okay. Yep. And after that game, I go, you know what? Teams are going to pick up on this and they're, they're going to try to exploit, exploit it. And sure enough, the Steelers did the same thing. They came from the left side. And to me, if, if I'm a Packer, if, if, if I'm LaFleur, I'm kind of concerned. Like, hey, you got to make adjustments. I mean, other teams pick up on these things. And uh, you were absolutely right. You know, that kick uh, against the Steelers could have been easily blocked. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what occurs, you know, in the in the games going forward. But you know, those are things that have to be, you know, rectified right away. You can't wait a couple of weeks after a couple of blocks and say, hey, we got to make some fixes. You got to do it immediately. Well, Gary, and did you notice what Pittsburgh did there too on that left side? They, they, they came with, with Minka, Fitz, Minka Fitzpatrick, their, their Pro Bowl safety. Yep. And they came with Joe Hayden, a cornerback who I think was the seventh pick in the draft about six, seven years ago. They came with studs, Gary. They didn't come with the 44th player on the roster, right? They didn't come with your normal special teamers, right? Your, your Ty Summers, your Oren Burks, yeah, yeah. Uh, your, your Isaac Yadams, guys like that. They said, we're coming here with the best we have against what Green Bay has, and, and we're going to get to the ball. And they almost did. And I can guarantee you, Gary, other teams are going to follow that blueprint moving forward. Um, it's a copycat league. Uh, the, the, these guys aren't dumb, Gary. They, they know that for 20 years here, the better part of Green Bay has been a disaster on special teams. You're probably not going to be as good as Green Bay most weeks on offense. The way the defense for the Packers is playing, maybe that's a push. When you're trying to find ways where you can, you know, you, you can gain an advantage, maybe even a touchdown here or there, it's against Green Bay special teams. They don't have them fixed, Gary. They don't have them, have them figured out, not even close yet. And and, and until they do, Gary, it's, I think it's going to be an ongoing discussion for us here on this show. All right, Robin, unless there's something else you want to talk about the Packers, uh, let's move on and, and, and do some quick hitters on the uh, NFL in general. 
And uh, here we are, just four games into the season, and there's only one unbeaten team. And that, that's what I love about the NFL. I mean, it's so competitive, especially in the first half of the season. And, you know, it, it's amazing. Just Arizona, your, your thoughts. Yeah, your, your Raiders took uh, took one on the chin last night. Yeah. I was waiting for you to bring that up. We'll see if they were a fluke or an aberration. No, this, this is what the league has wanted, right, for, for 35, 40 years here. They they didn't want Pittsburgh to be 14-2 and two every year and Dallas, you know, to be 15-1 and one like they were in the 70s and early 80s and things like that. They wanted this parity. The league's been set up for this terms of the draft free agency etc cetera, etc cetera. um they've got it gary i mean where, where you like you said we're a month into the season and and now almost every 31 out of the 32 have a loss and it's um it's remarkable i certainly wouldn't have bet on arizona being the last team standing um with you know being the lone unbeaten and and here they are it it just shows you gary the the league is absolutely wide open. It's going to stay wide open. I, I still think there's a hierarchy and a pecking order, regardless of record, that you have to go through Tampa Bay. In the AFC, you're going to have to go through the Chiefs. Um, even in the NFC, you're going to have to go through Green Bay up until mm -hmm. the point of maybe hitting Tampa Bay. I, I still think there's three, four teams, Gary, that that are, are the class of the league. I haven't changed my mind. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I, I don't think the... Uh... 72 dolphins are, are overly concerned do you <laughs> certainly not this year right i mean no no i mean they're, they're yeah i mean maybe they'll come back play me but there's no way in hell arizona goes unbeaten they, they, uh, and, and that's why all this talk in june and july and i get it you know networks and radio stations have a lot of time to fill and and newspapers have a lot of space you know to to, to print and things like that but all this talk and and chatter and gibberish and you know in the summer every year about well can Tom Brady take Tampa Bay you know to an unbeaten season and and will Mahomes do it with the Chiefs it just it just doesn't happen Gary I mean, I mean if, if you're an editor Rob though at, at one of these uh, places don't you say let's uh, tone down the hype here I mean I, you're absolutely right I, I read several stories about how everybody was saying well not everybody but these people are saying that the Chiefs and the Bucks could go undefeated. I mean, it's so ludicrous, you know? Yeah, you know, it's it's stuff for the four-letter network, right? And for Scream and A to get crazy about in the summer. And apparently people tune in and that and that draws some ratings. And I'll never understand why, Gary. That's that's that that's the hype machine at, at that network and with that when that with that clown yelling and screaming every every day about something or another <laughs> it seems you know that's that's one of his topics many summers who's going to go undefeated but uh yeah. yeah no i i'm with you i i think anybody with a level head and a you know a semblance of common sense says it's it, you know if green bay couldn't do it in 2011 if you know if, if if tom brady and that 07 patriots team couldn't get it done i i, I mean i just i don't know how it, it, it probably will happen again gary at some point in time but it, you know, you and I may not be here to see it. It's no, no. Speaking of TV ratings, uh, how about the uh, Buccaneers Patriots game the other night? I mean, um, I, I don't know if you saw this, Rob. Twenty-eight and a half million people watched that game. Twenty-eight wow. and a half million. Okay. Now, now to gain some perspective on this, 
Game six of the NBA Finals between your beloved Bucks and uh, Phoenix Suns, the game in which the Bucks won the title, right? Yep. What do you think? How many millions of people watched that game? Ten. Good guess. Good guess. Yeah, thirteen million. Okay. So, so, so more, uh, than, double, uh, more a, than double on Sunday night for Brady to go home. A Sunday night game. <laughs> 28 and a half million blows out the final game of the NBA finals. I mean, it's, it's, unbelievable, even... it's unbelievable, Gary. Like, like I've said before, I mean, they can, they can throw Jaguars Titans on a Thursday night coming up this week if they want. And I don't even know who the Thursday night game is and, it, and it'll blow the major league baseball playoffs out of the water. Right. I mean, they can, yeah. They, they, they can go Jets Giants for God's sakes, you know, two God awful franchises for the last, the better part of a decade here. And, 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 and that'll beat the NBA finals and stuff like that. It's they, 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 they are the king of the world when it comes to, when it comes to the viewers, uh, um, attention, when it, when it comes to, um, ratings, when it comes to money, when it comes to everything, the NFL is king. And yeah, without um, question, it, it's just fascinating. What, what was, was that a new record, Gary, that 28 and a half for a regular season game? Well, that, that's what, What's crazy, Rob? It, it, it was the second highest Sunday night game, <laughs> and and I'm trying to remember. I, I think it was, uh, you know, don't hold me to this. Like something like 12 years ago, when the Redskins and the Cowboys played. Interesting, huh? Yeah. So, hey, yeah. Uh, one one other topic I want to uh, touch on a little bit before we wrap it up is the team that the Packers play uh, next, and that's the Cincinnati Bengals, and. I don't think anybody expected the Bengals to be three and one, but they are. And uh, everybody talks about their offense, which is understandable, but their defense has been pretty good. But uh, Joe Burrow, I mean, there, there is a reason why this dude was uh, the number one pick in the draft last year. And he's already completed like 73% of his passes, nine touchdowns. I mean, if he has a flaw, it's a flaw that a lot of quarterbacks have and then throwing interceptions I think he's got four at this point and that receiving Corey has is good. And it's very talented. Jamar chase, Tyler Boyd, T Higgins. I, I don't know if he's going to play or not, but man, he he's got some weapons on top of it. So it, it should be an interesting uh, game. Well, Gary, I think when you and I did the kind of our preseason predictions game to game and stuff like this, I, I talked about this being a trap game mm -hmm. uh, because I, I thought that first quarter of the year was going to be pretty challenging. And if they could get through it three and one, they might exhale because they probably see a team on the schedule that was one and three. Well, they're seeing a team now that's three and one, right? Like you said, yeah. the Bengals yeah. are one of the surprise teams in the league. So, I mean, no longer can this be a trap game. This is, this is, this is a game between, right. I mean, two teams playing seven fifty football and that, that obviously have, you know, great aspirations now that are realistic and the Packers have turned things around from that dreadful start and, and the Bengals have just kept chugging along Gary. And you know that they thought they'd win a decent amount of football games last year. If Burrow hadn't blown out his knee and, and they put together a roster that, that that's not bad. Like, like you said on, on the defensive side of the ball, which nobody talks about, you know, they're eighth in points, Gary, they're seventh in total defense. They they've, they're playing pretty solid on, on that side of the ball. Um, you know, interesting, you know, they're only 20th 
uh, in points scored right now with, with all those guys you just mentioned. And I think they're 22nd in total offense, but they are pretty dangerous on that side of the ball. You didn't even mention the running back Mixon, right? He's at about 90 yards a game and yeah. hurt you too. Um, and, and they'll run with him, but, but it all starts and ends Gary with Burrow. Like, like you said, there's a huge reason he was the number one pick in the draft this, you know, two years ago now that they, they've, they've got a better line in front of him now than they did a year ago. They, they left him out there, you know, last year as a sacrificial lamb, almost like Andrew Luck when he showed up in Indianapolis or, or the car 20 years ago, was that David who showed up in, in Houston and just got his brains beat in that, yeah. that rookie year? Yeah. I mean, Burrow was like that last year with those jokers they had, um, you know, li- trying to block for him week in and week out. And and it was almost inevitable. It was almost predictable that he was, you know, going to suffer some type of injury. Sadly, he did. And he's back. He looks healthy. He, he looks like he trusts the knee, Gary. I mean, Chase couldn't catch anything in the preseason. They were talking about him being this huge bust, the kid out of LSU who, yeah. who I absolutely love and, 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 thought that pick was going to be outstanding for him. Well, well now Gary, he's catching everything in sight. He's, he's four touchdowns. He's 300 yards uh, receiving through four games, which has him obviously on pace for big time numbers uh, this season. Like you touched upon on Boyd, nice receiver. We'll see if Higgins plays or not, but Gary Green Bay is going to be without Alexander. So now you're exactly. And, and they're without exactly. Kevin King. I mean, we'll, we'll see how King can come through the concussion protocol this week. If, if King can't go Gary and I mean, it, it, it it's crazy. We're going to say this, but the Packers desperately need Kevin King this week. Um, <laughs> you know, Rob, I thought I would never, ever, <laughs> ever <laughs> hear you say that. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, it, it's crazy though. Like that's the, that's kind of the dire straits they're in right now in that secondary. Now, once, you know, once Alexander went down the other day, Gary against the Steelers, they went three safeties quite a bit um, and, and played an extra safety back there at times. They went with Yai in them for, for a stretch. Um, but Gary, you know, and, 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 and he, even though the defense held up and Pittsburgh wound up with only 17 points, I mean, Gary, if big Ben was even the player he was three, four years ago, Pittsburgh would have scored 31 or more. in oh, that game. He, Absolutely. He missed guys he, that were wide open. Yep. You are correct. Um, I don't think Joe Bur- Burrow, for example, misses those throws. No, he won't. No, he won't. You know, I mean, Big Ben had he he, he had an eighty yarder at, at one point that was wide open. Another one that was sixty five or seventy that was going to go the distance, and he just he he couldn't hit these guys. And he he's just not the player at thirty nine that he even was at at thirty six. Gary, he he's done. And I mean, he looked at. He looked every bit the part of 39. You remember Gary back in the day when, when an Archie Manning or a Kenny Stabler or a Fran yep. Tark got into yep. his mid late thirties and they, and they were just done. And, and, and you could see it, that, that drop off was dramatic. That's, that's kind of how Ben looks right now. And, he, and he's going out that way. It's, it is remarkable. Rogers will be 38 in December. You know, so there's only a year gap between those two guys and, and they look like, you know, they're 10 years apart right now, age-wise Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of their play, you know, you, you, you would give Rogers a chance to, to maybe do what Brady is doing. And, and it looks like this could be the end for big Ben, but you know, specifically Gary back to that Bengals game, there's going to be some really challenging matchups for green Bay secondary in that game. And, and if Burrow's given time and that'll be the key, can green Bay get home? 
Cincinnati's line is better than it was a year ago, uh, but Green Bay's going to have to pressure him, Gary, because if he has time to sit back there, he's got the weapons in the passing game where he could carve these guys up. Yeah, and, and you know, one of the few guys on the Packers' defense that could put pressure on him is Rashawn Gary. I, I got a feeling we're going to be talking about Rashawn Gary and his importance to the Packers for the rest of the season. Yeah, and I, and rightfully so. I mean, right? You, when you're the 12th pick in the draft and you're in your third year, th- this is where you start to make hay. And th- this, this is when you kind of start to have your coming out party. And this is where guys like you and I, Gary, find out if these guys can play or not. You know, mm-hmm. rookie year, you can, you can write it off to X, Y, or Z sometimes. Last year, a COVID year makes it a little bit trickier, although I thought Gary closed with a bang and was pretty darn good down the stretch a year ago. Um, but now by year three, there's no more excuses. There's, you know, there's, there's no more coddling these guys. There's, you know, this is when you produce when you're thrown out there and, and to see if you get a year four and a year five and things like that. I I'm with you. It's a huge year for Rashawn Gary. Um, believe it or not, I, I, I'm a big believer there. I, I, I think the kid's going to have double digit sacks when, when we're, when we're doing this podcast and, you know, at the end of December, I think he's, I think he's going to be a Pro Bowl alternate level of a player. Um, but we'll see. He's got a ton to prove here, Gary, over the next 13 games. Well, Packer Nation probably agrees with you. <laughs> Any, anytime Packer Nation hears anything positive, Gary, they, they, they tend to agree. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Rob, this was a blast as always. And as always, uh, thanks for your always keen I got to stress the word keen insights. <laughs> Gary, Gary, are we making a pick on the game Sunday? Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, caught me off guard here a little bit. I know. I know. You want me to go first? Go ahead. That'd be good. Yeah. I'm going to go upset. I'm going to go 27, 23 home team. So Cincinnati wins in, a, in an upset. Wow. You know, I, I, I could go with that, but I think the Packers are going to win. I, I think Rogers, you know, had kind of a suspect game Sunday. He'll be better. Um, and, and I definitely believe Aaron Jones will be better and the Packers will control the ball better against the Bengals than some other teams have, uh, you know, this season, I, I'm going to stick with green Bay and say, let's see, 21, 28 to 24 green Bay. Well, they are your super bowl champion. So you better stick with them. <laughs> Can't jump off the bandwagon yet. Okay. No way. <laughs> Okay, now with three straight wins. You got you to be driving that wagon. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rob, again, thanks a lot for everything. And, uh, of course, thanks to all our listeners. Take care and all the best. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at GaryWoofle and WooflesPressBox.com.